Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John. The first chapter, verses 1 through 18. If you didn't bring a Bible or don't want to use your smartphone, it is bulletin, uh, printed in our bulletin this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from the fullness we have all received grace and upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, before we get started, you have to excuse my voice. It's a little messed up. Hadn't gotten it back since that Clemson LSU Chick-fil-A bowl. I promised myself I wasn't going to mention that or go there, but the flesh got the best of me today. A um, couple of things are going on with our, we're going to begin a sermon series in the book of John today, and um, a couple of things I want you to be aware of. Um, our community groups, um, there's a new one starting up today, um, the... Um, I'm the head of this parish. What's the name of the parish? The Uptown Parish um, is starting a new community group today at 6 o'clock. And um, if you're interested in that, I think it's in a bulletin. Um, our community groups will be embracing um, our walk through the book of John. So when you go to community group, hopefully um, in your uh, community group liturgy or Bible study, um, they'll be going through a lot of what we're going through, trying to track at the same time. The other thing that's going on is we have a, a Gospel of John learning community, which is on Sunday mornings at 845 in the underground. And if you go to Facebook and search for Gospel of John learning community and you like us, um, then you can participate in weekly discussions about this book, um, and they'll be going through that. Um, there's a table in the back, so be sure to sign up there before leaving today. Um, yeah, we're going to kind of saturate ourselves with this book, um, something we hadn't done before, 
um, at Christ Central is have it go along with our community groups and our Sunday schools. I just think it's important for you to go through this book um, as deeply as possible um, because when you come to a sermon, um, I can't dive in as deeply as probably you need to. Um, And there's so much good stuff there. Um, And I want you to know um, what the scriptures are saying um, as well as you possibly can. Uh, So with that said, we do begin a long walk through the Gospel of John beginning today. I figure uh, it will take us, I outlined the whole thing, um, as we take it in smaller pieces, it will take us through summer, a good part of the summer with some breaks in between, take us that long to get finished. Just so you know, a number of scholars believe the gospel was written well after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, as the church was beginning to gain and get its identity. It was written in large part to deal with the separation beginning to be seen between Jews and Christians in their views about Jesus. So it portrays Jesus as being true religion, as being the only way to God, as being the true light that leads to eternal life and relationship with God. And we too live in a world that bounces between religion and irreligion, and it is easy to get lost and forget and get confused with questions of where is God? Who is God? And and how can I know him as a human being should and can? This is why we look at books like John, that we look why we look in the gospel. This gospel, along with others, is the closest and clearest revelation of who God is. And this prologue that was read this morning, this introduction to John, tells us as much as it outlines this whole book. It it tells us that Jesus came to show us God, to show us us, and to show us salvation. Show us God. Show us us, and show us salvation. Last year at Christmas, our top gift was the Michael Jackson experience on We. We love that thing. Where you do the dance moves with Michael. You know, I grew up watching him, and I, I was glad to finally be good at it. Those years trying to do the kick, hurting my leg and knee and all kind of stuff. I would win because I would just hit the right points at the right time. With Kelly and me having grown up, watching Michael Jackson in the 80s, we would say when there was a certain move or expression, now that's Michael Jackson right there. We wouldn't even say the last name. That's Michael right there. The other day I was watching Spike Lee's movie Red Hook Summer, and with just the way a couple of camera shots were done and edited, I would say, now that's Spike Lee. We even do it with our kids, right? Especially when one of our children does something obnoxious and their, their reaction or expression, Kelly will look at me and say, that's you. <laughs> that's all you. And I have this disgusted look on my face. She's right. 
When Jesus came, those who were witnesses of him were left saying, now that was God. That is God. Jesus himself would say, when you see me, you see the Father. You see God. They saw the divine expressed in the flesh. Look with me at verses 1 through 3. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The word mentioned here, written, a, written with a capital W for good reason, is nothing short of the personal divine expression, the divine character and action. In fact, the word is called he in verse 2, and the he is Jesus Christ, that, that Jesus was with God and was God from the beginning. And when it says beginning, it means earth's and our beginning as created beings, not his beginning. It means then that he was not created. He was before creation and, in fact, was the divine agent and architect and engineer of all that was made. But the Bible is taking it further. It is saying that God himself became flesh and dwelt among us so that when we see the one who is called and is the son of God, Jesus, we would know and say, now that right there is God. Look with me at verse 14 through 18. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the, of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Notice that John says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Not any grace or any truth, the full grace and truth of God himself. That word dwelt in verse 14 there, it means tabernacle. And it beckons back to the Old Testament days when the Jews, they didn't have a permanent uh, uh, worship place. And, and God's very presence would, would travel with them in the ark through the desert. And then when they would camp, be in his, he would, God would sort of have his own tent. As if God were with them, among them. Jesus was God in a human skin tent. He was fully God. All God and nothing less than God. Nothing less than the fully truthful and graceful expression of God himself. And as the tabernacle God, the God we know in Scripture became flesh. So not only was he God, he was fully human. John says here in verse 14 that the only son of God, which means the God, not a God, but the only God became flesh. And as the son of God, John emphasizes this by saying in verse 15 that John the Baptist bore witness. And then in verse 18 it says this, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. In other words, John is saying we saw him because we were able to see him. He was human. He was like the tent with God in it. Substance is something we could touch and feel and know and experience in our history, in our time, in our space, in a way that makes sense to our everyday living. 
I want to make sure you understand clearly. Jesus was not 50% God and 50% human. He was 100% God and 100% human. We don't have a schizo Jesus where he is sometimes God and then sometimes human. This is important because what we will see and learn is recorded in this Bible about Jesus, what Jesus did in his body. We don't want to ever think, well, when I read this, this time it was not God. That was all Jesus, the, the man this time. We don't ever want to think, well, this was, you know, this was God and not Jesus this time. All of his human actions that we will learn about were divinely perfect and true and full of the glory of God. It's, it is like Superman. Clark Kent is never not ever Superman. And Superman is never not Clark Kent. I remember a scene in the, you know, in the Christopher Reeves version. That's the one I grew up on. That's my Superman. I know he's young bucks out of day. But Clark Kent gets hit by a taxi, and the taxi bumper bends. He doesn't die. He doesn't get the broken leg. Even though he's wearing the, seat, the suit and the corny glasses, like Superman, the situations around him change how he might respond, but it does not change who he is. Sometimes he takes off the, the goofy glasses. Sometimes he keeps them on, but he is never not Superman. So sometimes in the Gospels, Jesus is mistreated and misunderstood and handled, and other times he is supernatural, but he is never, ever not the God-man. Here's why these things are important. Verse 18 again. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So if you want to know God and what he is like and how he would and did handle things, Jesus and this this witness of Jesus has made him God known. Jesus came to show us God to be God at work in time and space and history and God's interactions with regular people and politics and religion and money and sickness and hunger and wealth and prosperity. We see who and get to know better who God is. Why? Because God has decided God has decided to reveal himself to us through Jesus Christ. The writer of this gospel, John, says that John the Baptist, not the one who wrote the book, but whom we'll learn more about next week, says, we were witnesses to it. You know what a witness is? A witness is not the same as a discoverer or an explorer. A witness is like You and I just sitting on our porch enjoying an ice cream cone. And bam, something happens, a wreck, an exchange, a a conversation, and it happens in front of you while you were just there and you were made and became a witness. Not by your own will or desire, but because you were in the wrong or right place at that time. God made himself happen. He made himself appear. He revealed. God flashed John and John the Baptist and others, and hopefully you and me, with the fullness of his glory and grace in Jesus Christ. 
It's important to know because this gospel is not about a man production, a human production. These witnesses, as you read the story and you even see later how John the Baptist will will react to Christ when he's in prison and all these kind of things, that's another gospel. But when he begins to react, they are just as amazed and surprised about what they are saying and writing as you and I could and would be. Understand this, very important. God was not to be found. What do I mean by that? God was not lost. He was not drifting. This gospel is saying he was not on some foreign island that we as humans had to sail there to see him or in some spiritual world that we had to astral project or or seance ourselves to. No, according to the Old Testament prophets and even here, we, you, and I, and they were in darkness and lost and needed to be found and exposed to him. We were drifting and God exposed himself and showed up in our darkness, in our ignorance, in our apathy. And the Bible says here in verse 4 and 5, through that Jesus came life and light. Look with me at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Stop right there. There's a few different things going going on here. The Bible is telling us that part of Jesus' story And his coming will be rejection by the irreligious world of Gentiles, the non-Jews. But verse 11 tells the other side of things, that he will also not be received by the religious people, the Jews whom he would be born into, those who are actually out there claiming to be God's people and looking for his Messiah. But that John writes also tells us in general why else Jesus came besides to show us God. He came to show you and me, us. He came to reveal whether we're religious or irreligious, our deadly darkness and our faulty faith. Look with me again at verse 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It is saying that the lives of humankind The life that God gave them physically and spiritually is in the darkness. And like plants without light, they are spiritually and physically. Without the light, which is the life of human beings, going to die and living and walking a deadly path. And then it says that the darkness did not overcome the light. It means in part that the life we live and do outside of Jesus' light has become the norm for us. That darkness is normal for us. What's abnormal is the light. We imagine and truly believe we are okay and don't know any better until we are told the light Jesus is alien to us, though he created us and gave us life. 
Understand that the light exposes and explains and shows us us who and how we really are, how far we have moved below how God has created us to love and live and flourish in this world. And we don't and can't know how much or whether we are living in deadly darkness until the light, which is the life, shines on us. You ever gotten dressed in the dark trying to match something? ever gotten dressed in artificial light? And then you get outside in the real light and those plaids and stripes don't match? I hate that feeling. I mean, I work hard to match. I didn't know that was a yellow bulb in the light thing. I didn't know that fluorescent did something differently. I didn't know that my eyes were wrong and not well adjusted in the light of the, the, the bathroom fan light. I didn't know until you walk out in the light thinking you looking good. Like two different kind of grays. <laughs> and the first thing you want to do is get to the nearest building because if you get in more darkness and in more artificial light, you looking good again. We first moved to our neighborhood. It was dark. That was a dark neighborhood. Nobody had their lights on at night. Nobody. And we, had, we installed our lights, our security lights. People complained. Man, we can't sleep at night. Look at your house lighting up the whole block. I'm like, boulders, y'all turn y'all's on too. I mean, the whole side of the street was lit up and people were not happy with it. But for the first time, they're like, man, look how many people walking down the street. This could be a pretty dangerous neighborhood. You didn't know. Because some people were living in the dark, walking by, stealing stuff, doing wrong. You know, you don't know yourself. You don't know yourself. We don't know how bad things are in us until the light of Jesus invades us and the life of Jesus enters us. You can't match your life up. What you thinking? You're in darkness apart from Christ and you're trying to make your own religious and and, and make your own faith. In fact, John says here in verse 9 that we are ignorant of the light and life of God apart from Jesus, that we are not enlightened like we may think we are or even for Christians as much as you should be. Here's a sobering thought. Apart from the light of Jesus, you and I don't see and may not be experiencing reality truly. Now we do see some things really, but not truly and purely and fully. Let me ask you something. How much false or wrong does it take to create a delusion, a hallucination, or be completely lost? How much wrong, how much mismatch of something does it take not to be right? To be completely misguided, all it takes is one thing. All it takes is a half a thing. Let me tell you a story. One, one low-gravity beer. Where is he going with this? Without remembering, I had also taken a prescription sleeping aid. And I had three very unfortunate conversations on the phone (laughs) and with my wife that I could 
only remember like a dark dream. I had to do some apologizing and research about what really happened. One sleeping pill. One watery light beer. A world of darkness. Did you know what you said to me last night? No. But I feel good this morning. I called my brother. I called some other folk. I hope I didn't call you. (laughs) Jesus came to show us our deadly, deluded, and sin-drugged darkness by shining his light on and in our historical and emotional social situations. But not only those, but our religious life to show us our faulty faith. Look at this. He said in verse 11, he came in to his own and his own people did not receive him. It was bad enough that the world he made, that is all the people were ignorant to him as a light. That kind of makes sense as, as they lost his sin. But people who as God's people claiming to have the light, when Jesus came rejected or did not receive him as God or the light. John is telling us that the religious folk, The Jews will reject the light because the light, which is Jesus, will show them just how far from God or close they were with him. And they didn't like many of us today don't like that. When I say religious, I am talking about a set of beliefs about God and how he is and how you are and how everything operates without Jesus being central to that belief. Some of y'all some well-read folk. You read the lost books. You read the found books. You read the books by, you know, the guy who has the true knowledge about the black man. Y'all, y'all read all of that stuff. You, you five percenters and, and you got all kinds of knowledge. Some of you are, are, are very religious and, and some of you are extremely spiritual. You know, I'm kind of spiritually sensitive, you know. You're all into God, however he comes, and and you have found the way that is best for you. Some of you are religious practitioners. You come to church keeping up or at least keeping your own scorecard of God and I are okay karma stuff. And even some of your unbelief, your blindly believe, look, think about this now. Some of you blindly believe that you are the best person to run your life. Now get this. You know you make mistakes. You know you've gotten some stuff wrong. You know you've had to say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I didn't know. I didn't see it. And you still trust you to run your life? That's some faith right there. (laughs) There ain't a greater faith in the world than believing in yourself. When you know you yourself make mistakes, that don't make no sense to me. How are you going to be your own God and your Savior when you can't even remember where your keys are? It doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) But the light of Jesus shines on you, and it immediately says that all belief systems without me is Jesus as a Logos, as its life, as its beginning and end, at its very foundation hope is faulty and wrong. The commentary that one of the commentaries I'm reading by Leslie Dubigan says this. 
all religion apart from Jesus is in the realm of darkness. Understand this then. All passionate. Oh, oh, you know, all of that. Crying and I believe in this and all of that. Singing songs. Well-reasoned. Well-intentioned. I'm smart about my religion. I'm not going to let some preacher tell me what to do. I'm smart. All well-intentioned, spectacular resulting. Let me tell you, if you believe this, your life's going to be straight. Look what happened to me. All even good results, fervent, good doing, not going to be taken again. I am the captain of my faith. Song singing, church going, even scripture quoting faith is an utter darkness and deadliness without Jesus' life qualifying it and approving it in the light of who he is and what he has done and what he says. Your little half faith, that thing don't count. It's bogus. It's counterfeit. You know what's troubling? When I begin to tell you that, you get angry. You know why you're getting angry? Because the Bible says, right, the light can't overcome, I mean, the darkness can't overcome the light. The darkness can't comprehend it. The darkness don't like when the light shines on it. You're like, Pastor Brown, that's circular reasoning. You're saying, look, I'm going to poke you in the eye with the stick, and I promise it's going to hurt. And then when you poke me in the eye with the stick, I say, ow, and I say, see, I was right. He's the beginning, not you. He started it. He is the light. We live in the darkness. I know y'all cataloging too. Well, I know that. He didn't read this book. He don't know this. It ain't about me. I'm witnessing to the light. I'm just telling you what the light is saying. And folk, they get mad. They get upset. Like you've been sleeping and someone turned a light on you. Woo, what a bad feeling, isn't it? You'd be sleeping good. I mean, the place could be on fire. Pow, turn the light on. Why are you turning the light on? Let me sleep. I'd rather die in the fire. Happy than wake up in the light. But he didn't come just to show us our deadly darkness and faulty, but finally he came to show us salvation. But how is Jesus going to do this? It said, the darkness don't comprehend the light. It said, those who he made, everybody, when he comes, they're not going to be able to understand him. They won't like him. They said, the religious folk who got their lives together and ordered by some kind of philosophy of thinking and living outside of him, they're going to reject him. So how is it going to happen? Look with me at verse 3 through 5. Wait, wait, wait. Let me see if I want to do that. Yes. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then verse 9, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. Let me tell you what this is a picture of. It is a picture of people. You and me. Burden. Stuck dying in the darkness. 
stuck in a foolish dream that we can run our lives. This is about you being trapped. This is about you not being able to get into the light. This is about you and me not being able to find the light. We consider how much sin and darkness and mistakes and pain we have endured and caused, swinging with damaging arrogance in the darkness to ourselves and others. How many, I'm so sorry, I didn't know any better, offensive things we have done to God and creation. How much grace and truth do we need to make it right? The Bible tells us. All of it. All the fullness of God's grace and truth we need for forgiveness and healing and righteousness. And we find that in Jesus Christ. Look with me at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. The glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness... We have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. What am I saying? The grace of God has come in Jesus for those who live in willful and decisive ignorance. Whose religion is not strong or perfect enough that Jesus, not because you want what's best for you, know what's best for you, but is going to come for you anyway and give you relief from the darkness, from the burden, from the hunger in your soul that you're fed with the wrong things, from from the aloneness you're subjected to, to the darkness that this world pushes and holds you in, from the insecurity of wondering whether there is a God who loves and knows you for the times when, as a believer, it's just too hard to live. He is offering grace for that. He's offering relief. But not just relief, belief. Look at verse 9. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming to the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, this is kind of passive, who believed in his name. That's, John is like, that's me. He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let me clear something up. Jesus didn't come, according to those scriptures, to make salvation this reasonable option for people who were smart enough and good enough to find it. The Bible's teaching that Jesus came to save, to give belief, to do something supernatural in our hearts so that our lives will change. He's going to give us what we need in the way of power, which comes from him and his work to go against the comfort of the darkness, to go against the the faultiness of our own human reason, to be able to do what we could not do before, to live in the true light and life of God. You couldn't do it. You don't even like the light. 
And here comes Christ who gives you power, who, take, who gives you relief from the burden of sin. And then he actually puts belief in your heart in something you did not know or would not receive before. And all of a sudden your eyes open up and you become a witness of the one full of grace and truth. And you behold him. And at that point you call him Lord and Savior. This is what we're going to see in John Jesus showing up. And not only when he does things, you know, he, he, he's going to give some the power of relief and belief in him. He gives powerful human beings for you and me to not just become, but to be born again as children of God. Not because we know how to do it or wanted it. Sometimes I feel stuck believing. Sometimes I want to do the wrong thing. Um, I had a friend once who's like, y'all believe all this stuff about, you know, Jesus' power holding you and all that, and Jesus saved you and, and all of that. It, 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 you know, he, he, he actually was the one who called you and gave you belief. He, he was like, I don't believe that. I believe we hold on to Jesus in our faith. I said, Okay then go do the wrong thing. Go renounce Christ. Go walk away from the faith. He's like, I can't do that. I'm like, why not? He says, I can't do it. Why? I just can't. The reason you can't is because the power that holds you is greater than your own will. Close with this. The commentary I mentioned by Leslie Newbegin says this. When a person turns in faith to Jesus Christ, he meets not a stranger, but one whom he recognizes is the one whom he has loved and chosen before the foundation of the world. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, before the foundation of the world, creation, before the world's creation, was salvation for you and for me. John is a witness, and I'm a witness today. And the means by which he does this is he tells us, come. Turn your life over to Christ. His word has let you know today, pray to him and with me. Turn to him away from the darkness and to what may feel like an offensive light. God is there and here to meet you. Because Jesus has come here and there to get you.